This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Coin Gaming. Stick around for more info about them later in the episode. Hey guys, I'm Charlie Shrem, and you're listening to Untold Stories, where we dive deep with crypto's most influential leaders to find out how this movement truly came to be. Of course, this episode is powered by the Blockworks Group. They have amazing podcasts in their networks, including mine, over 20 shows. Check them out at blockworksgroup.io. With that, today's episode is my good friend, Sebastian Couture. He's an amazing podcaster, Epicenter.tv. I follow their lead. I listen to them, and I really enjoy them as podcasters. Their episodes are great, and they do some great shows that talk about crypto. And Sebastian is an amazing person who's been through so many ups and downs of the crypto industry. So it's really great to see and to talk to someone who's talked to the guests that I've wanted to talk to during some amazing events. And we talked about a lot of details and everything like that. I'm Charlie Shrem. Enjoy. I have Sebastian Couture live from a hidden location in France. Welcome so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, it's good. It's good to it's good to have you because I feel like there aren't very many uh, podcasters in the space, but also people who are, who are at the same time working in the space. So, uh, you know, you have like two hats, right? You have your your you're working and you're in the crypto industry hat, but you also have been running a show since 2013. That uh, was one of the only two shows that I used to listen to. I only listened to two podcasts before I started the show, um, and so got a lot of the inspiration from that. Uh, so it's nice to talk to you today, and uh, and how's it going? It's going pretty good, um, and yeah, thanks thanks for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's true that I, I have worked in the industry. Like, I've had several hats in the industry, but like the thing that's been most consistent, I think, is just doing the podcast. Um, you know, so right, you know, right now I'm I'm doing other things, but it's you know it's been primarily the podcast for the last couple of years, and we can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, for sure. The interesting thing about these shows, uh, like when you build companies and to like talk about consistency, when you build companies, they have overhead and things to run it. And shows have a lot of overhead and a lot of uh, like cost too. At the same time, though, the more work you put into it over the years, what you've built up, the best thing you could do is just stay consistent and to keep putting out good content all the time. Uh, so now you're like seven years. I'm only going in year two. Uh, is it like almost like talking to someone who's just getting married? Like, do you have any advice for me? Will I get a, <laughs> will I hit a brick wall in year three and want to get over? Will I have to go find myself in a desert somewhere? I don't know. I mean, it's it's been such like you know, there's been like you know eons of of epicenter. I don't know if that's the right word, but there's definitely been like epochs or epochs, yeah. And and um, you know, in the beginning, it was. It was just like me and Brian, like doing this podcast, kind of learning about about Bitcoin and crypto. Um, oh yeah, let's let's maybe like start from the beginning. So I mean, like, I don't know how 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 far back I, I should go about this story, but like the, the go as the far story back as you can. Well, um, so Epicenter uh, Epicenter came about, like you said, in 2013. Uh, I I was working as. Uh, you know, I started my career in, in web development and project management. I, you know, I, I moved to France when I was in my early 20s and studied here. And I, I, I'm originally from Canada and I moved to France in my early 20s. I was working as a project manager in this web agency and like not getting along with my boss or anything. And then um, I found out about this thing called Bitcoin, like somewhere around, I guess, like October of 2013. Um 
and started reading about it. At the time, the only thing on my mind was like, how can I make money with this thing? Like, I, I thought it was interesting. Like, I thought the, the technology was cool. It was like a neat idea. You know, there's, you know, the, the, the whole you know, let's disrupt the financial sector thing was like kind of present. I like that kind of cypherpunky aspect of it. But to be honest, like I was thinking, how can I make money with this thing? And I started looking into mining and, you know, quickly discovered that. Like, Why does that everyone do that? Everyone <laughs> yeah. always assumes that mining is the is the best way to get into crypto or Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever first. Like everyone's like, yeah, yeah. So I I thought mining would be the way to go. I realized that that was probably like a big investment, a lot more that I could chew at the time. And uh, I started listening to LTB, probably uh, you know, like you, also listening to LTB at the time. Yep. Uh, Adam Levine, and then Adam, um. Adam put out a call like in early December of 2013. He's like, okay, we're going to do this contest uh, and we want to start this thing called the LTB network. And whoever, you know, whoever's interested, who's ever, whoever's interested in, in, in participating in this contest, we're going to do a Skype call. And, you know, I'm, I'll basically like, kind of explain the, the, the rules of the contest and whatever. And so I got on the Skype call and there were, you know, maybe four or five people on there. I think the Mad Money Machine guy. You know, these these are podcasts that don't exist anymore. But you know, oh, there yeah. were like a few people on there, um, and and then Brian, and Brian and I were the only two uh, guys that were in Europe, and I was just getting into crypto. Like I knew very little about it. This is Brian, Brian Crane, into- right? Sorry, yes, of course, yeah, Brian Fabian Crane. He visited me here in Florida actually last year. We had dinner together. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, Brian's. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like really glad that uh, you know I was able to meet Brian and, and start the podcast with him. But I, I thought, okay, this guy has some knowledge about crypto more than I do. He seems like a like like a straight shooter kind of guy. I had experience with you know marketing and building websites and a little bit of audio production experience. And I thought, okay, like let's let's do it together. So. Um, I kind of, you know, offered to maybe do this together and that's how it started. And then we recorded our first episodes in like late 2013 and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> and there's been, you know, many things have happened since then, but that's kind of like the the origin story of how it got started. Who were the first type of guests that you had on the show? Well, see, the thing is at the beginning, it wasn't a guest show. So I, my, like, I'm a big podcast listener. I always have been like since 2005, like early days of podcasting and i i was and still am to some extent like a big fan of leo laporte and twit and i wanted to base epicenter on that and the first couple of episodes is like what me and Brian what are those talking. shows you know it's like panel shows basically so okay. it's like you have a host and then there's kind of people that come in and out and like regular hosts and they'll talk about current events kind of stuff and bring in commentary and um the, the, if you listen to the very first episodes of Epicenter, and you shouldn't because they're, they're really, it's really quite embarrassing. Uh, the first four or five episodes are are just me and Brian talking about like, oh, there's like a Kanye coin. And then the next episode is like, oh, Kanye coin's dead because he's threatened to sue them. And, you know, oh, my God, um, that kind of shit. And then. And then uh, and then we we hadn't met yet. So this was in December. And and then, uh, you know. People from that area will remember the uh, Inside Bitcoins conference uh, mm-hmm. series. So there was a, a, a conference in Berlin. I came over. Brian and I met. I went to the and one in New York. 
I don't know if they're still doing them, but no, no, yeah. no. They they stopped. They sold it like a year later. They realized that it's very difficult to make money in crypto yeah. conferences. But yeah, they were quite good at the time. I think like they were one of the probably one of the only conferences that was kind of like makes sense to go to. Yeah. And so I came to Berlin. Brian and I met in February, and then we started recording interviews there. And so our first interview was with like Johan Barbie, who was working on this thirty-seven coins thing at the time. Um, and then you know we had. Oh, we had like Jonathan Levin from um, um, Chain Analysis, but he was doing Chain something Analysis before. on yeah. like early on in the day. Uh, so funny uh, story about him is that like he's the COO of Chain Analysis, huge company now, but he actually couldn't even afford crypto conferences back in 2013. He told me that he was offering to live, just live tweet them for the for the conferences for free if they would let him give him a free ticket. Well, yeah, that's only a good in idea. our industry can that can that be the case. I love it, and he yeah. um he told me that time of those times were a lot of fluff, and I was a little offended by by that because he was talking about my one of my speeches, you know, and he said um he said the problem in those years everyone was like yeah Bitcoin bull market's about to happen. This was going into 2014, 2014. Uh, and he's like there were no charts, there was no data, there was no users. It was just like fluff, fluff, fluff. And I was live tweeting this, and I'm like. What is happening? And he and he he almost like foresaw another year or two of needing to build and bring users before like the bull market. And he was right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like he was right about a lot of things. Um. So that, yeah, those that, that was kind of the early days. And then you know, in the early days, we we also had like you know, w- it was like Brian and I, and then we had um. We had uh, this this woman. Her name is Sean Jones. She's a regulatory expert uh, in in the UK and like Isle of Man. And then now she's in um, now she's in Gibraltar. But uh, she would come on regularly to do like this kind of regulatory update. And and after some time, we thought you know it'd be great to have like other hosts, more you know more regular hosts. And so like Sean, you know, was contributing a lot on the regulatory side in the beginning. And then, and then Meher Roy um, joined us. Oh God, uh, probably like a year or. Why a year did you and a want half? the show? So when I launched the show, it was like I'm going to do a single person show, and then maybe down the road I'll have like a co-host who can kind of be someone to help me uh, down the road. But why, why start the show off with multiple hosts and panels and a different type of thing instead of just one or two people? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, there's just so many, there were so many things going on in the space. I mean, like, the space was exploding with projects, and we thought it would be cool to have, like, you know, someone else to help us do it consistently. Because, like, I was starting to work on this other thing called Stratum, which I no longer work on, and then, like, Brian was uh, also looking for a job, and, like, so he worked at Monax, um, and then like worked at Tendermint, Cosmos and everything. And so we thought that bringing on other hosts would help us stay more consistent. And it has like, I mean, there, there are five of us now. So like Mayor, uh, Brian, Sonny, um, Sonny Agarwal and Frederick Ernst and I. And if it wasn't for the fact that there are five of us, there's no way we could produce episodes every week. Like, I mean, uh, it would just be like way too much work and research and everything. So. So that was one of the motivations. And it's been, I think, one of the things that has helped us, well, stay consistent, but also just have like a high level of quality. I mean, the level of quality and and sort of like in-depth knowledge and understanding of the space and um, 
and like critical thinking that Mayher and Sonny and Federica have brought to the podcast, you know, coming on as as hosts has been incredible. It also allows us to travel around the world and and kind of meet cool people. Um, when I first started the show, I was, I was talking to Peter McCormick and he said he he um, intensely will like likes to do episodes in person. And I tried that uh, a few times. In fact, I was very reluctant to even do video, um, but I don't like doing episodes in person. How about you? Um, I mean, we haven't done that many. So we have 352 episodes like as of tomorrow. And congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I just did episode and 100 and I'll stress that's a, out. That's a good milestone. I mean, that's, that's like hard you're over the hump. <laughs> um, so the only real episodes we did in person were like early on when we go to conferences and record kind of, you know, short interviews. And then I, I did a couple at HCC um, this earlier this year, just before the whole COVID thing. But, you know, it costs money to go around the world and, and, and record. Yeah, content. it does. Um, it does. I don't know how Peter does it, but yeah, it's, it's expensive. You also create a lot of pressure on yourself because you got to meet the person. Joe Rogan does a great job at it. And honestly, Peter does do a great job at it because we were able to do a two hour show in person after like a few days of just getting to know each other. And that's what, yeah. that's his like kind of MO and it's a different type of show. Um, For sure. Which is very interesting. But what I want to understand and I, what I didn't predict is why did podcasting become the medium of choice for this industry? And, and it's really true. If you look at it, every major, all the press in our industry has their own podcast. You know, the Block has their own podcast. Coindesk yeah. has their own podcast. Everyone has their own podcast. Um, it's just a thing, you know, but it took a while for like Wall Street Journal and all these other ones and Bloomberg to get their own shows. So it was like a little bit of a lag there. Our industry embraced podcasting a lot quicker. Now, it was weird because I thought, you know, like myself included, short form content. How do we sit through an hour long of a show? But it's interesting um, how that all worked out. Uh, I wonder if you thought that would be the case when you had launched the show. Um, I don't I mean, honestly, I, I didn't have very many expectations for it, I think, in the beginning. But I think one, one of the reasons why, you know, this industry has kind of embraced podcasting is that it's, well, there's a couple of things. So one, it's, it's really complex topics, right? So like when you're just getting into it, you know, it helps to have people kind of walk through and explain the stuff. And sometimes it, can, it needs to get technical and you need to go along because there's a lot to cover, right? From the kind of high level, philosophical, ideological, you know, game changing kind of concepts that a lot of the people in this space you know, hold and then going all the way down to kind of the technical stuff. And, you know, this is something that I kind of recently came up with. It's like epicenter, you know, we fly high and we dive deep, you know, like we kind of try to stay at both ends, yeah. of, both ends of that spectrum. And I think podcasting is a great medium for that. Um, and, and the other thing is just, there's lots of like really interesting people in this space. Like I think like the True crypto story. industry is just filled with such interesting characters and to be able to listen to them and hear their stories, like kind of like what you're doing, uh, is is really cool and interesting, right? Um, it's true. And we're all like digital, uh, you know, di like not uh, not digital nomads, but like digital native. Uh, a lot yeah. of us, I think, listen to podcasts anyway, so it kind of tend like lends itself 
to the industry. Well, podcasting allows me to 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 explain concepts uh, longer than even in person because I feel like when I talk to people in person, they lose they lose focus. We all have like ADHD. Um, but here's a perfect example. Like, okay, so let's let's talk about coronavirus epidemic for a second. Although I'm I'm so sick of talking about it, but I <laughs> yeah. want to talk about it in the age of information. Until coronavirus came out, everyone looked at information, podcasting, freedom of speech. They looked at it as, let me get my piece of paper. They looked at it as, and this was the problem. I almost like tried to explain to people this. Here's a circle. If you're in the circle and all this misinformation, as long as, I don't know that you can't see, with, as long yeah, as I, I can it. control, yeah. as long as we make it ability for their freedoms to get in and out of that that circle that where there's no press freedom and there's no information as long as we create vpns and we create information right, that we know on the outside we can trust we know yeah. we have outside information then we're good so we've built all our information infrastructure the problem with coronavirus is that we stop there's no one to trust around on the outside there's just a big fucking misconfusion of miscombobulation now the only other people in the world who've ever had to deal with this are inmates in prison because an inmate in prison, that's the problem you have. You have this just constant misinformation because not only do you not trust all the other inmates, you don't trust the administration either and they purposely lie to you so they can control the inmates like that. Right. So yeah. we, we have this thing, you know, there's no internet in jail, but they have this thing called inmate.com. And inmate.com is like, oh, yeah, did you hear we're getting chicken wings for the Super Bowl this year? Where did you hear <laughs> that? Inmate.com. Okay. Like you take it with a grain of salt, right? And then yeah, you yeah, go yeah. on your own exploration of here's, you know, here's the radical one way and here's the radical the other way. I need to find my own happy medium. Yeah. yeah. Most people in the world don't know how to do that. Myself included. I'm not very good at it. I, I'm a little bit better, I feel like, because I've been through that experience. But it's a very difficult thing to do. With coronavirus, you have, you know, I purposely will read the New York Times. The, where I, I don't trust them at all. But I feel like if I, if I go to the one press that I know is lying to me the most and I take their information, I can have, have at least the one way to go somewhere else. And it's a happy meeting. I feel like podcasting allows for that. I know I just kind of went crazy a little bit there. Yeah, no, it, it's true. Like you, you, you get to talk through things and the thing with like thing with Twitter and everything, it's just like, it's not a medium that's conducive, I think. I mean, it's conducive. 200 and you know, something just, characters. Sorry? 200 and something characters. I don't even know how many characters you can do in a right. tweet. Right. Like, it, it's, it's, it's not conducive to, like, constructive conversation in most cases. Like, there, there's, you know, instances where Twitter is, is a fine conversation medium. But for most things, it's not. And it's also kind of, like, set up in a way such, such that you want to get the most likes for your tweet. And that usually means, you know, being outside the fringes of, you know, like what's reasonable. Um, and so I think podcasting is, is a, is an easy way to just sit down and talk to someone kind of one-on-one, uh, without having to, you know, go across, you know, across the country or across, you know, across an ocean to do so. And, um, yeah, I mean, like for, for all that though, I, I think like podcasting, there are things in podcasting that I don't like, like, I don't like how it's so unidirectional, like, I wish it was more of a conversation with the audience. Like some people have figured out how to do that, but it's not easy to do that. Um, and what but, do you do? But, uh, what do you do? Do you do you like ask surveys? Do you talk to your audience? It's a uh, not an easy thing to do. No, I mean I've been really bad at doing that for a few reasons. I mean we've done like surveys, but like 
I'm not particularly interested in engaging with people on like Twitter. Um, like I like talking to people, you know, yeah, you're, like uh, I, I, noticed I, I like talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. And so when I like, when I meet people who listen to the podcast, like if I go to a conference and I start meeting fans of Epicenter, like I just want to talk to those people all day because like, I'm like, why do you listen to the show? You know, like, who are you? What, what, like, you know, and we have, I mean, I can honestly say like our listeners are like people that I just want to be friends with. Like every, anytime I meet one of our listeners, I just have super interesting conversations about stuff like about crypto stuff and non-crypto stuff. Um, I feel like it's so true. And I've been talking about sportsbet.io and their clubhouse, which is a huge community. When you play, when you make a bet, when you do a spin, they pay you with free hands, cash back, and bets. You can play all sorts of games, and they've been doing this for so long in a free, fair, and transparent way on the blockchain. Well, that's not why I'm excited today and why I'm talking to you about this. Because now they're taking this community to the next level by sponsoring the Southampton Football Club. You're talking about millions of British football fans can now see the Bitcoin logo on the front and the sleeve of also the Walford Football Club. I mean, how amazing is that? You're talking about not sponsoring your company. You're talking about sponsoring Bitcoin and crypto. Millions of people around the world are now going to be seeing this and joining the Sportsbet.io clubhouse to earn more points, to play games, and to be part of that community. There's really no other way that you can use and spend your crypto and then actually earn more back and be part of this whole community. So listen, make sure you guys join sportsbet.io forward slash podcast. Give them the support that they deserve because they're supporting us and me. Go play some games, get some free hands, get some free spins, and make sure you check them out and support them on the Southampton Football Club's first game. Whenever that's going to be, check it out. With the show, at least up until the show, I always had that imposter syndrome. You know, when you meet someone like I follow all your work, I was like, what do you follow? I don't know. Like, what are you following? <laughs> but now with the show, it's like I follow you. It's like, OK, you listen to the show. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you now. You're not a creepy person. So it just happened the other day. And I love I love meeting people and talking to everyone at the same time. Um, yeah, we did this one thing during during the lockdown, which well, the lockdown in France, which which I really liked. And I, I'd like to do again is we just did like a meetup on Zoom. And it's like anybody who just wants wants to come in and you know hang out with us. And yeah, it's cool. Like you get to like some of the people I kind of knew already. Some some were new, and you get to kind of put a face on the people who listen to you every week. And that's like that's kind of one of the most rewarding yeah. things about doing the podcast. Yeah. How how are things in in France right now? You're in you're in. I mean, what's going on in terms of like. Uh, opening up what are restaurants like being outside um uh it's it's you know it's fairly opened uh you do have to wear a mask in public places that's more or less respected depending on where you are uh like which cities obviously like you know there are places in france where uh respective authority is not as high as others but um it's you know the numbers are not looking good in terms of like there is a, a, a bit of a of an uptick in the number of infections in certain areas. So I hope we don't have to go back in lockdown. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't discount that as impossible. I hope so. Yeah. Get out of France, though, if that happens again. A lot of people are going to island island countries and going to hang out there. I mean, honestly, I, I, I think it's it's been fine. Uh, you know, like we had a two month confinement period, which 
was livable. Um, but you know, the French, you know, they, they, they love to go outside and meet and they, um, I think confinement was like really hard on, on the French psyche. And so now people are, people are, um, you know, doing everything they can to like go on vacation, get out of the city, get out of Paris. So like yeah. I'm in Marseille at the moment and in the South of France. And it's just like, it's, it's packed with people. But understandably, like these people have been cooped up in their apartments in Paris for, for the, you know, for the long for time, the last couple of months. So what else have you worked on in the space? You, you, you founded a bunch of different projects. Um, and then, um, you know, reading your bio now, you, you started working on a, on a conference called Reset Everything. Where are you reading um, my is, bio? <laughs> Where do I have a bio? <laughs> you have a you have a lot of bios. There's a lot about you. I love I love talking to a guest that has a lot about them online. I love talking to people who don't have a lot about it because I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be harder. Um, I don't think I had as much about me online, but okay, sure. <laughs> um, oh, people so, would be surprised. I I've had to hire investigative journalists for some of my guests, especially like the ones where I want to yeah be able to like know what I'm talking about. Especially, I'm like, you need to help me with this research. Wow, man, you go deep. <laughs> well, only for very, like the Ripple episodes or like the very, because yeah. um, like when I talked to Professor Emin Gunsir too, you know, yep. you, you talk to people who could talk around my head when it comes to technology. So how can I, as a person who, yeah, I've been in the space a long time, but I've, I'm not a computer scientist. Uh, how can I make sure that I'm like talking to someone and making sure they can't dance around me and then make make it look like I kind of gave them my approval to my listeners. Mm. So it's a very difficult thing. So I've had to literally be on some technology aspects, be sit and coached. I've had people, I have friends, lucky, a lot of people in the space love doing it. I have friends who I try to like count on. It's like, oh shit, okay. I need to understand this new consensus algorithm and understand sure. why it doesn't work. I have people I can call for that. Like, hey man, like call Charles Hoskinson. Hey Charles, can you, <laughs> can you explain, it, explain this to me, bro? I can't understand a shit out of this. <laughs> it's great. No, that's, I mean, that, that's like a, a, deep, a deep, deep dedication in, in, in uh, making sure that like, you know, yeah. that you're consistent in your, in like, well, your understanding, but also like not, you know, vouching for projects that, you know, perhaps are, you know, exactly. not to be vouched for. <laughs> um, I want to talk about like the evolution of the show and like kind of overlay it with uh, the evolution of the industry, because I think there's a lot of you know, comparing and contracting, but also, uh, I think there's a lot of like overlay. So going back to 2013, you know, you, you guys have done how many over 5 million downloads total of, of, of all your shows. What was the first time that you guys sat down and said, okay, uh, here's what we've done. This is where we want to go. Uh, Hmm. Like in terms of the, in terms of the content or like, or in terms of the style of the show and how you guys do it. Yeah. I mean, it kind of came organically to be honest. Like I think we, we decided pretty early on that we wanted to be, that we wanted to have guests on the show that that made, that made more sense and that, you know, we could do that pretty successfully. Um, and and then the other thing I think was like bringing on co-hosts, um, you know, there, there, we've had, I guess, like some kind of principles over the years that we've tried to uphold. So one of the things that we've, and I think these, these have kind of helped us, you know, 
keep our, our high lo- our high level of quality yeah, and like consistency. What? Like, wh- so what like, are things, some rules so, like, that things, you have? Yeah, so like rules, but like these are like kind of unwritten rules. But like one of the things is we typically try to like if, if we're gonna have someone on the show, like we chip we typically try to have that person on, especially if they're talking about their project after the project is launched or uh, you know at you know some time after there's at least something to show for right so that's a good rule it's it's quite it's quite rare unless it's like a really revolutionary idea uh that we'll have a project on you know right after they wrote their white paper but there's no code there's no network there's no technology there's very little of it and that usually makes for better content because there's more to talk about but it's also better for the guests right because they're talking about their project at a time where like ideas have been fleshed out and there's there's something to show for and there, you know there, there's like something to be interested in i guess um mm. so that's been kind of one rule um what else is there we you know clearly try to stay away from kind of scammy stuff and like yeah. things that um, did you ever find yourself in like a rough spot where you've booked a guest and then realized that you've had to you know maybe cancel or you've even recorded or even released a show that so we, i think we've been pretty good with that we we there, there, I can count on one hand. I think the the number of recordings that we haven't released for that reason, mm. um, or for you know that reason or similar reasons, but it's been quite rare. I think that we haven't released episodes because we do kind of filter um, early on. So the the way that we the way that we decide on what episodes will come on the show is like we have a call once every two to three weeks. We all come with our suggestions about who we'd like to have on the show and then we we kind of we kind of do a a consensus vote to some extent because our listeners will know that most of our interviews are two guests and one host and basically like two guests have to agree to do this so like if i'm like hey i want to have charlie shrem on the show someone else has to do someone else has to want to do it with me and if nobody else wants to do that with me well you know we're not going to do it uh but luckily you know like most of the times we, we we tend to agree on stuff um, and sometimes we'll postpone it and we'll, we'll, we'll do it a bit later when we think it's more, when we think it's, you know, it's a better timing. Um, but that's kind of, I think what's helped us, uh, keep a, like a high level of quality and be consistent with that. Have there been times where, uh, you've had a guest come and it was like a hostile situation and you've almost had to re-record? I had it once. I think it's, it's happened to me once, I think. Yeah. Where it's there's been some hostility too. and even like emails exchanged afterwards and yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. My situation wasn't where it was hostile. It was just this person. And it was actually, um, it's a good example of, of the industry. Is that this person was so used to his company being thrown up against the wall and shit talked all day. My simple question of like, why did you create this project? Came back with, stop fucking saying that I created this thing. I never, I was like, dude, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm really not, I'm having you on the show is for a good reason. Yeah. Turns out him and I became very good friends after we have had him on the show. It's all good. Uh, so it worked out in the end and he's a very brilliant person. But I feel like, you know, uh, I don't know about other people, but I'm personally have some like uh, learning, you know, difficulties learn deficiencies or whatever and a lot of people in the industry do too they have a lot of uh adhd or you know a different type of um 
I don't know what to call them or whatever. Yeah, learning style. Anything, yeah. anything I say is gonna, is gonna piss people off. But but I'm on that spectrum too. But um, so you get a lot of people like that, and there it's like a different social world you have to deal with. Um, especially to get out the type of ideas that you wanna to get out on a show. Uh, it's very interesting how that works out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's more like for me, it's preparing for a podcast. And having expectations about how it's going to go, like you should prepare, you should prepare for your podcast, especially you know, if it's if it's technical. Um, but then I find myself having expectations about how it's going to how it's going to go. And sometimes it goes really well, and sometimes well, not so well. Like you, you know, you have people who are extremely articulate and will be concise in their uh, in their explanation of things, or will explain things super well. And or you have people who are just not, and sometimes you have to help them, and sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. Tell me some so- stories of some guests. You know, any stories pop out at you of some shows that you've done that you want to share? I, I don't want to talk like you know specifically. No, about not people. bad ones, but funny stuff. Like I, yeah. you know, I could tell you a story about eating lobster with Vitalik. You know, just everyone has a good story. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not eating lobster with Vitalik. Oh man, I should have you know should have thought of this ahead of time, um, but. Yeah, what's some funny stuff that happened on the show? I mean, um, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot here. No, uh, I apologize. No, it's cool. You know, you've you've done so many with so many guests at this point. Um, you ever worry that you're going to run out of guests? Oh God, no. <laughs> really, I worry <laughs> because, about that sometimes. Because if if ever we do, we could just start start picking out from the pool of emails that I have from PR firms that I never read or respond to. Um, yeah, there are, not that we'll ever have to do that, I don't think, but there is an endless uh, you know, amount of yeah, yeah, yeah. topics to talk about. and A lot of those PR firm guests, though, some of them are good and they really just need a PR firm to help them like get in front of other people and so i've i've booked guests that i've gotten emails about that i didn't know about uh because now the guests know that in order to be on this show you can't just be someone who showed up in 20 like 16 or 17 or even 18 or whatever unless you you're there's a very different style i like to like tie the guest into other stories that i've heard before or to other people almost like i'm uh verifying the stuff that they're saying out in public like don't trust, i want to verify yeah like I, and I was explaining to um there was something i was explaining to my, to my mother-in-law the other day i was like you know i you believe we believe our politicians and that's okay you know we should have faith in people and you should believe people but at the same time verify so don't trust but verify she's yeah. like okay what if i my i have a friend who tells me all these things and i'm verifying she's lying but i don't want to call her out on it i was like well then mom you need a fucking new friend <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really true yeah 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 but you know i was gonna, i was i just think of, i was just thinking about this so i actually i i've i've talked about you to non like non crypto people a couple of times like and actually just like two three nights oh, ago um, because you know, your, your listeners, uh, you know, maybe know that you were on our podcast in early, earlier this year, I think it was like the first episode of 2020. So like January, it was, a great episode. Like it was, it was one of my favorite episodes because it was the first time that we had kind of like someone tell their story 
and it was like super candid and you you like exposed things that happened about you that i had no idea and like i i read i read the bitcoin billionaires and mm. a lot of stuff you know wasn't covered in there that you talked about and um and the other day over dinner like we were talking about you know like people who who've had like interesting stories and like you came up as one of those stories because of like what happened with your family and all of that yep. and like how you uh, you know you met your fiance your, your now wife and everything and so I've, I've told that story a couple of times i'm like yeah you should listen to that podcast that i did with him <laughs> it's funny because I, I that's what i'm doing i'm recommending so when someone says tell me about your story i was like well listen to this epicenter episode <laughs> and then i'll also listen to the peter episode too depending on who the listener is some people you know have different style of, of listening but that's yeah. what i never recommend my own show or my own, I don't have my own book, my own movie. It's everyone else's, but I don't mind because they do all When's the, the movie coming out, by the way? So Bitcoin Billionaires, um, or when's it's it? going to get made for the yeah. listeners. It's going to be in Hollywood. It's going to be in movie theaters. It's going to be big. It's going to be like a big summer blockbuster. It's going to have all the bells and whistles as, every, you know, a Titanic when it came out. You know, James Cameron. It's going to have a crazy director. It's going to have a crazy producer. Do you know, I honestly uh, thought... Do you know this for bull- a fact or are you just... I'll tell you what I know for a fact. And it's, okay. I'll tell you what I know. That I thought that this was going to come out. Uh, and I thought the, the movie... If coronavirus wasn't happening, there would be a lot more data that's information that's that's public about the movie. But yeah. I thought that the bull market wouldn't actually come until the movie because the, the movie would be like that. For, but here we are today. We're in a different world and the movie's... Yeah. But the movie is sold and funded. Okay. Uh, that's been done. Uh, right now, the you know, like production, it's all been like the money has been handled. The uh, Cameron and Tyler, have, God bless them, they've they've decided to 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 pay for a lot of the a lot of the the, the early production and everything, and it's really good. And um, so they're searching. Like I was talking to Ben Mesrick, the author of the, the other day. Actually, I was like Ben. Why don't you just write the script? He goes, I can. And, you know, he writes for Billions. He writes for, for the show Billions. He's a Showtime writer. So he's a brilliant writer. Um, and he wrote the book. But he's like, I want to get James Cameron or Aaron Sorkin, or like a really, really good director to do this justice. This will be the Bitcoin movie for the next 50 years. And yeah. so that's where it's at right that's now. That's the ambition. Make it make it the Bitcoin movie. Yeah, make it the Bitcoin movie. And, and I think once that Bitcoin and crypto as itself will be a mainstream thing, and I think when that happens, we'll we'll have passed that Tamagotchi moment that a lot of people like, especially uh, yeah. the jaded generation, as I say, uh, believe that we are still, 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 still. Can I, can I drink this water? It's been sitting on my desk since for Go three for days. <laughs> I'm so thirsty. It's been sitting in my office since Friday. The Sarasota County Bar Association. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's funny because. I was on, I'm going to end off with, with a nice story that I never told before, actually, because um, I'm here with you and you've reminded me that I was recently elected treasurer of the local, where I live, the Homeowners Association. Okay. And the only reason it is is because no one else wanted to do the job and I'm, and I'm pretty decent at balancing, you know, a, a small budget. Um, and so when I was on probation is when I got elected. And one of the caveats of probation is you have to tell your employer or anything that you're a felon. Yeah. So I was like, before you guys like raise your hands and elect me, I just <laughs> want to let you all know. I know you all know, but I am a convicted felon. Do you still want to elect me as your treasurer? And they all raised their hands. Yes. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> I can't get out of the job now. So what, what's, what's life like so, now that like, 
you know, uh, as a as a convicted felon, you know, like I know in Florida, I think you're living you're living in Florida. Um, it, it's become easier for you guys to do things like vote and that kind of stuff. I th- actually, you know that I think that's why we're talking. I, I was talking about because we're talking about this whole Florida voting thing. And, oh, the and whole Florida voting up. thing. Yeah. What, what's the situation with that? So, um, I tried to to get back to work. So I work full time, but I also try to give a lot of a lot of hours like later in the day. It's weird here. It's it's really hot here. Yeah. And so, um, we do follow the. If you come here and you're not from Florida. And especially Southwest, like not Miami where it's very touristy. But if you come down here, it's a lot more European on the Southwest side. Um, we follow the Spanish model. So our stores are open. Like I, I'm in my office at 7 a.m. till about 1. And mm-hmm. then from 1 to 4, it's too balls hot to be out. So yeah. everyone's closed except for restaurants, right? You'll see stores, shops are all closed. 4 or 5 o'clock, things open up again. It's the very French style, the great Spanish style. I yeah. like that working style here. Um but it's been really, really great. It's been really, really great to live here. Uh, there are some difficulties being a convicted felon for the rest of my life. Like I can never own a gun, be around guns. I can never. Really? Yeah, I could vote. I got my right to vote back. But even basic thing like opening up a bank account. And the other day, like I was trying to apply for one of the disaster loans because I have vacation rentals and we paid all our staff. Yeah. And I got denied because I'm a felon. It said like, have you been convicted in the past seven years? And I checked yes. Yeah. Uh, and I got denied. And I'm, I'm not going to fight it because I'm too tired. Yeah. Have you ever thought of moving abroad? Like, I know you travel to Europe quite a bit. Have you ever thought, like, oh, I'm going to go settle somewhere we, else? We're, we're actually uh, talking about, we never talked about moving abroad because I do, people say, like, you're a felon and you still love them. I still do. I love America. I'm a big patriot. Uh, I may not love the administration, but I don't know. This, this place accepted my family. I'm a first generation. Like, this place accepted my family uh, immigration-wise, like, my my grandparents and parents had nothing they when they came here they they just literally sat on the the trunk uh, all when they came off the boat for three days while my grandfather looked for work you know so i love this country and i and i and i love that uh but at the same time i think we should all be citizens of the world and we should all not be so nationalistic and like Mm. open up our minds to like it's okay to say like hey i'm american but i love vienna maybe one day i'll move to vienna like i don't know like here you're you're canadian but you can live in france like why not why not i think that if I ever have like, if I ever become like a billionaire or where I could just kind of give away all my money, if I ever get to that point, like God bless, one of the things that I would like to do is basically do a thing where I will offer like, if you're an, if you're an American citizen or if you're, you know, I don't know the caveat, resident or whatever, or if you grew up in America and you've never traveled before and you're like 18 years old, mm. I want to start a charity that will like basically send you on a trip somewhere in the world for like four or five days and immerse kind of the Israeli birthright system. Uh. The Israeli birthright is a great model for that. So for those who don't know, if you're, if you're Jewish and you've never been to Israel, there's actually a Christian run organization. It's not even a Jewish run organization (laughs) that will literally for free, give you a free vacation to Israel for a week. And the only caveat is you've never been there before and you're Jewish. And if you're 18 and 26, I've been on the trip. Most Jews that I know have been on the trip. It's a cool idea because it expands your mind to other people and other things. I would love to see this, like, just get out. Most Americans don't have passports, dude. Like, I know you, you're you in France and it's different, but here it's like, there's no wanting to travel. Yeah. I mean, like, this is a totally different topic, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think, sure, in France, like, in Europe, generally, people travel a little bit more, but they travel in Europe and they don't, it's not like, you know, it's not like they're... 
It's not like most True. people are like traveling all the time. Europe um, is so diverse, though. But it, yeah, it is diverse, and it is easier to travel for sure. Uh, but you know, in the U.S., people travel to other states. Well, hopefully, I'll see you in October. Um, it's my only trip I have planned is to France in, in October. I'm I'm excited. I hope to to meet up with some crypto folk, but I'm going to be on vacation. Okay. Yeah, that'd I'm be really great. excited about that. I hope, I hope you can make it over brain. because, for the moment, anyway, I think uh, the Schengen area is still close to Americans. I know it is. So, Americans, I have 60 days yeah. is my trip. So, we'll see what happens. But thank you so yeah. much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate yeah, you taking the time. Thanks for having me. And wanted to do this for a while. So, I'm glad it, we could finally do it. And, and ju- um, I'm happy that this was kept light because I do such intense, like, like the shows, my brain hurts sometimes. Now, I'm going to release this episode right after, like, an episode where. Everyone was just like burnout. It was like a big burnout <laughs> episode. It's gonna be like here's a light episode. Everyone just relax. <laughs> just Enjoy. a chit chat. <laughs> yeah. Just a chit chat. Sebastian, thank you so much, bro. I'll talk to you later, and I'll hopefully see you in two months. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>